It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment here at Disney Blues, Diz Radio, and the Diz Radio Show. And this week for show number 185, for the week of July 27th, 2017, we're taking you back to the late 80s, early 90s, and of course, into the future. Because we have somebody that has been on every season of the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. She's a solo artist, an inspirational leader, and an inspiration to everybody who's looking to follow their dreams and make magic happen. Because we have none other than Jennifer McGill stopping in here. Here this week. That's right, the talented and beautiful Jennifer McGill is going to be stopping in, chatting with us, talking about her days in the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, growing up on that series, how she got into singing, acting, and of course, her all-new debut solo CD, yes, Unbreakable, which is dropping very soon, and she's going to talk about what it was like channeling into this all-new music, new CD, the debut, and so much more. So Jennifer's going to stop in, chat with all of us, and have all kinds of fun, as we have one foot in the past and one foot in to the future and no show would be complete without the d team that's right and we have the short leash with tips and tricks to make the most out of your walt disney world vacation when you're short on time and short on money as we have dominic stopping in for all of those tips for you we also have the answers yes you have the questions and aaron always has the answers and i want to know we have jason who's going deep into the vault with another blu-ray and dvd you have to add to your collection and let's not forget nathan who's back from his hiatus as he's putting on the gloves going into the library and telling you just what happened this week in Disney history. There is all kinds of news hot off the D-wire. From the Lion King, the Greek Theater, Disney Channel, Bizarre Vark, Walt Disney Pictures, Magic Kingdom, and so much more. So before we officially jump into this week's show and kick things off, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Castle and Dreams Travel. And Castle and Dreams Travel is a 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, and make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have. From dining reservations, tickets, airfare, you name it, they are going to help make it magical. They're going to hold your hand, walk you through the process, and treat you like family. And they have bilingual experts to help you with any language barriers that you could possibly have. So definitely check them out. Castle and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, we are at the tail end of July. Summer is still full in motion. We have all kinds of fun. And you know what? It always starts with a mouse. Yes, Mickey Mouse is the one that started it all. It's the one that we celebrate. And it's the one that our guest has a true connection with. So let's officially kick off show number 185 for the week of July 27th, 2017. And I'll be right back, all of you D-Heads.
perfect hairdo. This is not going to be easy. One year later, the Mickey Mouse Club is a bigger hit than ever! Don't it, okay? Yeah. The LA Times calls it a fast-paced, inventive gem of a show. Mickey can be proud. Merci. The kids are up talent like pine-sized volcanoes, raves the Chicago Tribune. Yeah. And the New York Post says the variety and concept are as timeless and appealing as ever. I knew that. <laughs> but when all is said and done, there's only one word that describes the Mickey Mouse Club. Waco. What? Waco. So see for yourself what everyone else already knows. The choice is yours. The Mickey Mouse Club, still going strong. <laughs> This is Lindsay Alley from the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Who's the leader of the club that's made for you and me? Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. 
hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 185 for the week of July 27, 2017, as we have the talented, the iconic, yes, somebody that's been on every season of the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, yes, the third incarnation of the club, Jennifer McGill, stopping in here very shortly. She's going to talk about her days on the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, as well as her all-new single, Unbreakable, from her debut solo album titled Unbreakable. And Jennifer's going to stop in, talk about all of this, and so much more. We have the D-team stopping in with Dominic, Aaron, Jason, and Nathan, and all kinds of fun on the horizon. So before I jump into that news, hot off the D-wire, yes, I am going to talk your ears off and give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, listen to the latest shows, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. D-I-Z-Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Diz Radio Show. That's D-I-Z Radio S-H-O-W. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, magical, different kind of celebrity guest Disney-themed show. And remember, if you want to stay connected instantly, all you have to do is go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and subscribe right there. It is that easy. You can search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, or Diz Radio, and subscribe and get the latest shows on your Android, your iPhone, your tablet, any place you can think of to get the shows as soon as they get released, and that's on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And remember, if I'm talking too fast, I have too much energy, I'm just rambling on here, you can find all of these links and more on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. Now let's jump into that news hot off the D-wire here. And how about some sad news? Yes, I'm going to start with the sad so we can end on a high note. And how about none other than voice icon? Yes, voice actress June Foray, the prolific voice of Rocky the Flying Squirrels, has passed away at age 99. Yes, June Foray was an actress of a thousand voices who we all know from so many different roles, from being Rocky the Flying Squirrel on Rocky and Bullwinkle show, Natasha, the crazy Russian in the satire of Rocky and Bullwinkle as well, and she was also so many other characters. I mean, it, the, her list goes on and on. I mean, some of us Disney fans, we know her as Lucifer the Cat and Walt Disney's Cinderella from 1950. She was also one of the mermaids and the squaw in Peter Pan in 1953. She was Wheezy Weasel, of course, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, as well as Ursula in George of the Jungle in 1967, Aunt May in Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, as well as Cindy Lou Who in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and many others. I mean, the list goes on and on, including one of my favorites, of course, being the little girl, yes, from Frosty the Snowman from the Rankin and Bass Classic. She has been so many different ones. I mean, even going to Twilight Zone, right there. I mean, who doesn't love Twilight Zone? And of course, everybody remembers Talky Tina. Yes, we all remember that phrase. My name is Talky Tina, and I'm going to kill you. Yes, we all know that phrase. June did all of these. She was the granny that we all know from Looney Tunes and so much more. I can't even go on to her all of her credits because her list goes on and on and now in the iconic world of voice acting we have lost a legend a true legend at 99 years of age june foray we are going to miss you you are an icon 
and your legacy is going to live on forever. So let's take a moment of silence and silence our voices for a true voice actress icon. Now moving right along here, let's get into some happier news here. And how about supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, yes, Dick Van Dyke, and the Christmas book, Mr. Finnegan's Giving Chest. Now, Salt Lake City Comic Con announced this last week that Hollywood legend Dick Van Dyke is going to attend the Salt Lake Comic Con that will take place September 21st through the 23rd of 2017. Now, Dick Van Dyke, everybody knows, is the actor, comedian, singer, dancer, producer, and writer. He has starred in so many iconic films from our generation, including Mary Poppins, Bye Bye Birdie, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Night at the Museum, as well as great iconic television shows like The Dick Van Dyke Show and Diagnosis Murder. Now, over the course of his career, Dick Van Dyke has won over five Emmy Awards, a Tony and a Grammy, and in 1995, he was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame and many others. I mean, his credits go on and on. In 2005, though, Dick Van Dyke and Salt Lake Comic Con founder and show producer Dan Farr collaborated on a Christmas book called Mr. Finnegan's Giving Chest. Now, Farr wrote the book, and Dick Van Dyke narrated it on an audio CD. Now, in the book, Mr. Finnegan, who is played by Van Dyke, and of course, the characters in the book look spot on, just like Dick Van Dyke. I'm just going to say that is no ordinary toy maker. In his meeting with Maggie, a resentful girl who doesn't believe in the magic of Christmas, that is the beginning of the series of miracles that will change her heart forever. Now Dan Farr has said, people ask me all the time who my dream guest is, and I always tell them the same thing, Dick Van Dyke. I've had the privilege of working with him in the past, and we partnered on our Christmas book, Mr. Finnegan's Giving Chest, and he is a real pleasure to be around. And now, he does very few Comic-Cons and appearances, and now our fans are in for a special once-in-a-lifetime fan experience. Now this is going to take place at Salt Lake Comic Con 2017, like I said, September 21st through the 23rd. So if you're around that area, you definitely got to hit this one up. You can check out saltlakecomiccon.com. And if you haven't read this book, it's a fantastic book, Mr. Finnegan's Giving Chest. It is a true gem to add to your Christmas reading. Now, getting to the Disney Channel here. Let's get to the small screen here in Disney Channel. And usually, there's a lot of good news for Disney Channel. But how about Jake Paul, yes, and Disney decided to part ways after he exits Bizardvark after two seasons. Yes, Bizardvark and YouTube star Jake Paul and the Walt Disney Company have mutually agreed to part ways. Now, after playing the part of Dirk on the highly popular Disney Channel show, Bizardvark, Paul has stated that he has outgrown the channel and felt he wanted to pursue more mature roles. Now, Jake Paul is 20, and it's easy to see why he feels the need to move forward, although his character is one of the key title characters on the show, so much so that his name is even listed in the theme song. So we're going to see how that one plays out. Now, Paul, who has over 2 million followers on Twitter and over 2.5 million followers on YouTube, has stated that it's time to move on. He supports Disney and all their decisions and more. So Paul is moving on, and everybody who doesn't know the story of Jake Paul, he dropped out of high school at age 17, moved to L.A., became a YouTuber, and tried to pursue his acting career and so much more. And that is his claim to fame so far. So he is shooting for the stars. Right now, they're leaving and parting ways, uh, you know, on a mutual note. So we're going to leave it that way. I'm sure that there's a lot of other underlying things that you've seen all over the news. But Jake Paul, we're going to see how Bizarre Vark Season 3 pans out. 
Now, moving along here, let's get into Fandango. And that sounds like a dance. I feel like I should be dancing when I say that. Fandango. But Fandango teams up with Disney and LA's The Greek Theater for Under the Stars with The Lion King, an all-new sing-along on August 5th. Now, Fandango, the leading digital network for all movies and uh, streaming devices, things like that, and buying tickets, it's teaming up with the Greek Theater in Los Angeles and Disney. Now, the Walt Disney Studios and the Walt Disney Signature Collection is going to host an exclusive screening of the Lion King sing-along at the famed outdoor venue on Saturday, August 5th. Now, the evening will kick off with a special musical performance by Tashindi Main, I hope I pronounced that right, who is currently stars as Rafiki in the long-running Broadway production of The Lion King. Now, he will also perform the show's iconic opening number, Circle of Life, live at the Greek Theater. Now, the beloved Disney classic is available for fans once again on demand, as well as on August 15th with the all-new Blu-ray and DVD that is getting released following that on the 29th. Now, in addition to the live musical performance, Fandango event will also feature family activities and special guests. They are going to have fantastic guests that are going to be there from Matthew Broderick, as we all know, and Nathan Lane. How iconic is that to have those two there for a Q&A, meet and greets, and so much more. Now, as they've released on their official website for the Greek Theater, the Greek Theater is excited to host this one-of-a-kind event for our valued partner, Fandango. It makes perfect sense to show Disney's animated, epic musical film, The Lion King, at a venue that has hosted thousands of musical greats over the years. Now, if you want to get your tickets to attend this, all you have to do is go to Fandango now, or you can also go to Fandango and purchase your digital version of The Lion King and just enjoy it as well. Now, moving to the parks here, let's get into Epcot. And how about Mission Space at Epcot to return August 13th with all new experiences? Yes, exciting news was released at the D23 event. Everybody knows that so many different things were coming, but Disney has officially announced that Mission Space will reopen at Epcot on August 13th. That's right, it is coming up really soon. And with it will be brand new experiences that you don't want to miss. There's going to be the Orange Mission. Now, the Orange Mission is a more intense version of the ride that lets you feel the force of actual space launch. Now, on the mission, it's been enhanced with a new HD video to make images clear as you set off to Mars. Now, the Green Mission, this is the more family-friendly version that we all know of the ride, which takes you on a brand new mission orbiting around the Earth. You'll see the sights like Northern Lights and the Hawaiian Islands. Now, the height restriction for the Green Mission is also changing, allowing children 40 to 44 inches the ability to ride. Now they're changing that, so now it's the chance so the younger astronauts out there can actually ride this attraction as well. It is kicking off on August 13th, so make sure you get there. Now how about moving forward into the Disney Vacation Club? Yes, and everybody knows the Vacation Account Program. Disney is officially ending its Vacation Account Program. Yes, they are officially ending this. Now, if you're not familiar with this, the Vacation Account Program was the, the way you could pay into an account, so then you could take a Disney trip later on. But now they're saying that you need to take care of it and get it taken care of now because it is coming to an end very soon. There are four different options that you can do. Account holders can use their total amount to buy Disney gift cards by September 27th, and an extra 5% is going to be added to the cards just for the inconvenience of the account being closed down. Now, the option two is the theme park will now allow them to redeem their accounts towards a Disney vacation of their choice. Option three, you can choose to do nothing, and Disney will just start sending you refunds on the 27th of September, and you'll get a 2% bonus or a $5 gift card added in for the inconvenience. And option four, you can request a refund before the refund process is complete, 
and those who choose to do this will not receive a bonus gift card. So if you had one, it's coming to an end. And finally, let's get back into the Disney Channel here. There's not too much news going on here this week, but how about Disney Channel's Raven's Home became the number one cable TV series launch in two years among key demographics, making the grand entrance after the premiere of Disney's Descendants 2, Raven's Home, which premiered on July 21st, it has Raven reprising her role. And I've talked about this till I was blue in the face over the last couple last couple shows let's just say that queuing you up getting you ready for all of the different fun that was coming but raven's home has launched the highest series launch in over two years and now new episodes are kicking off starting this friday july 28th 2017 and they will be coming at eight o'clock eastern standard time so set those dvrs if you missed that premiere but raven's home hitting it out of the ballpark once again because we all know Raven was one of those few Disney Channel shows that went above and beyond 100 episodes. So all of you D-heads, with that said, it is time to move on here. We have a lot more things on the horizon. We have the D-team stopping in with Aaron answering all your questions. We have Dominic with tips and tricks, Jason going into the vault, and of course Nathan dusting off the books with Disney history as we all gear up for Mickey Mouse Club alum Jennifer McGill stopping in here to talk about MMC and of course her all-new debut solo CD as well. So before I let you go, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Castle and Dreams Travel. And Castle and Dreams Travel is 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, and make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have. From dining reservations, tickets, you name it, they are going to help you. And remember, they're going to hold your hand, treat you like family, and walk you through the process. They have bilingual experts to help you with any language barriers and so much more. So definitely check them out. Castle and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of this radio so all of you d heads with that said we are at the tail end of summer here end of july i guess we still have a full another month of summer but we're at the tail end of july and it gets hot and it gets fun and in honor of our mouseketeer who is here this week miss jennifer mcgill we're gonna have a look back at those wonderful days of typhoon lagoon and uh singing with the mouseketeers take it away and next time i'm back i'm gonna have jennifer here in the studio with me take it away team
This weekend on Teen Win, Lose, or Draw, join host Mark Price with special guests, Star Trek's Will Wheaton, Regina King of 227, Wonder Years' Jason Herbie, and Josie Davis from Charles in Charge. It's Teen Win, Lose, or Draw. Hey there, this is Jason Hampton, originally from the new Mickey Mouse Club. You might remember the party. This is Disney On Demand. Got a whale of a tale to tell you lads, a whale of a tale or two, about the flapping fish and the girls I've loved. On nights like this with the moon above, a whale of a tale and it's all true, I swear by my tattoo. There was Mermaid Minnie, met her down in Madagascar, she would kiss me any time that I would ask her. Then one evening, her flame of love blew out, blow me down and pick me up, she swapped me for a trout. Got a whale of a tale to tell you lads, a whale of a tale or two, about the flapping fish and the girls I've loved, on nights like this with the moon above, a whale of a tale and it's all true, I swear by my tattoo, there was Typhoon Tessie, met her on the coast of Java, when we kissed I, bubbled up like molten lava, then she gave me the scare of my young life, Blow me down and pick me up, she was the captain's wife. Got a whale of a tale to tell you lads, a whale of a tale or two, about the flapping fish and the girls I've loved, on nights like this with the moon above, a whale of a tale and it's all true, I swear by my tattoo, there was Harpoon Hannah. Had a look that spelled out danger, my heart quivered When she whispered, hi there stranger Bought her trinkets that sailors can't afford When I spent my last red cent, she tossed me overboard Got a whale of a tale to tell you lads A whale of a tale or two About the flapping fish and the girls I've loved On nights like this with a moon above A whale of a tale and it's all true I swear by my tattoo You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. Well, we've definitely been in the dog days of summer here in Arkansas, and it's been hot. Hope everyone's staying cool and having a great summer in their neck of the woods. Well, the virtual mailbag is full, so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Sarah from my home state of California, and she writes, Aaron of the D-Team, hope this finds you. Love listening to the show. Lately, I've been looking back at all the old Mickey Mouse Club episodes. By old, I mean the one I grew up with from 1989 to 1995, but it got me thinking about the Mouseketeers in all versions of the club. How many times has there been a Mickey Mouse Club? I know the really old one with Annette and the one I grew up with, but were there any more? Maybe the early 80s or 70s? Thank you for the help. 
Well, if 89 to 95 is considered old, I think me and Jonathan might be in trouble. But seriously, there's been many versions of the Mickey Mouse Club. The show aired intermittently from 1955 to 1996. Created by Walt Disney and produced by Walt Disney Productions, the program was first televised from 1955 to 1959 by ABC. Reruns were broadcast by ABC on weekday afternoons during the 1958-59 season, right after American Bandstand. The show was revived after its initial 1955-1959 run on ABC, first from 1977 to 1979 for first-run syndication, and airing again exclusively on the Disney Channel from 1989 to 1996. The Mickey Mouse Club in the 50s was Walt Disney's second venture into producing a television series, the first being the Walt Disney Anthology television series, initially titled Disneyland. Disney used both shows to help finance and promote the building of Disneyland. Being busy with these projects and others, Disney turned the Mickey Mouse Club over to Bill Walsh to create and develop the format. This version, of course, featured such Mouseketeers as Jimmy Dodd and Annette Funicelli. In the 1977, Walt Disney Productions revived the concept of the club, but modernized the show cosmetically, with a disco re-recording of the theme song and a more ethnically diverse group of young cast members. The sets were brightly colored and simpler than the detailed black and white artwork of the original. This version featured such Mouseketeers as Lisa Welchel, who went on to play Blair in The Facts of Life, and Kelly Parsons, who was a runner-up to Miss USA. Then between 1989 and 1994, Disney brought us the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. This one, of course, featured such Mouseketeers as Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera, and Nikki Deloche, who was our special guest back on episode 162 in the Diz Radio Archives. Well, our next question is from Owen Agstaff of Atlanta, Georgia, and he writes, Question for Diz Radio about the parks. MGM Studios has gone through so many changes, from actually being a place you wanted to go and see movies and shows being made to just another theme park in my book. But aside from my personal thoughts, no matter how excited I am for Star Wars Land, my question is about a show I think was filmed there. If memory serves me right, there was a revamp of Win, Loser, Draw. Now I believe it was filmed there, and my girlfriend says it was filmed at Disney in California on a real studio lot. Who is right? Keep the magic alive. Why well, too miss the old studio days of the park, but I'm very excited for Star Wars Land and Toy Story Land. From April 29, 1989 to April 28, 1990, and again from September 10, 1990 to September 26, 1992, Disney Channel aired a version called Teen Win, Lose, or Draw. This version was hosted by Mark Price for its entire run. Jay Wolpert produced the first season, which taped at the Disney MGM Studios in Orlando, with Stone Stanley Productions taking over for the rest of the run, at which time production also moved to the CBS Studio Center in Los Angeles. 
Well, congratulations on winning the bet, Owen. But make sure and let your girlfriend down gently. Well, our final question this week is from Andrew Kingston of Indiana, and he writes, Aaron and the team, love the Disney magic you bring to me each week. Thank you for that. I have a question about the Magic Kingdom. There once was a ride called 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Never got to experience the attraction. How long was it at the park? Were there any other 20K attractions or merchandise over the years? Absolutely love the old movie and just wish Disney would sometimes keep some of the old along with the new. Any help is appreciated. Also, is there any official 20K soundtrack on the market? Thank you so much and listen to A Whale of a Tale. Well, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea Submarine Voyage was an attraction at the Magic Kingdom from 1971 to 1994. It was a fun attraction and I miss it. That was the only attraction featuring that theme. As far as merchandise, there's been various trading pins over the years, some really cool ones. They've also released a 20,000 Leagues inspired Vinylmation and currently at the Disney Store you can purchase an attraction vehicle replica. The sub looks amazing and even lights up. Definitely check it out. And yes, the soundtrack is available for purchase on Amazon and iTunes. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. All ahead, one-third. All ahead, one-third. Aye, aye. Stand by to dive. Diving stations. Dive. Dive. Take her down easy. Aye, aye. Trim bow diving plane. Three degrees down. Catch her at ten fathoms. Aye, aye. Steer three zero degrees. Right rudder. Three zero degrees. All ahead full. Steady as she goes. Aye, aye, sir. All ahead full. This is the captain speaking. Welcome aboard. We are now underway and proceeding on a course that will take us on a voyage of exploration through liquid space. En route, we will pass below the polar ice cap and then probe depths seldom seen by man. Make yourselves comfortable, but please remain seated at all times, and no smoking, please. The smoking lamp is out. Among these coral reefs, you'll see various species of marine life feeding among the seaweed and unusual rock formations. There are lobsters, crabs, sea turtles. These reptilian patriarchs of the deep are the amphibious descendants of the dinosaur and have changed little in the past 200 million years.
everyone, this is Dominic and welcome to another edition of Disney's Short Leash. If you're new to the segment, a short leash isn't how you bolt your bolt. Bolt was a dog Disney movie, right? No one ever saw that one. No, a short leash is a series of tips for people to get the most out of their Walt Disney World vacation when they are short on time or short on money. With any luck, you may be able to try some of these suggestions and quite possibly do as much, if not more, than someone vacationing with a greater amount of time or a larger budget. This week, I'm not going to work off a script. I'm actually going to work off of spreadsheets. I found two contrasting spreadsheets, one for a trip that was a nine-day trip over the summer and then a shorter three-day trip over the winter, and I'm just going to compare and contrast them. I'm not usually a spreadsheet guy. That started with the advent of fast passes. Before the era of spreadsheets, we would just head to Disney World with a park hopper ticket, grab any fast pass from a paper machine that we wanted, possibly have some dinner reservations, but beyond that, we pretty much went where we wanted whenever we wanted to go there. Fast Pass Plus changed all that with people making their reservations six, maybe three months in advance. If you got there in June, you may find out that the ride you tried to get a Fast Pass for has been sold out since March. Without planning to do so, I became one of those anal retentive super planners with an Excel spreadsheet of every moment of my day planned for vacation. I have to say, at first I resented it. I did not like having my day super planned on vacation. It's vacation. You just kind of want to walk around and go wherever you want to go. And that kind of free-spirited walkabout is still available. However, back in the day, if you wanted to fast pass for something, you just walked up to the attraction and got it. You didn't have to worry about not being able to get one because the ride's been pre-booked for months. Not to mention we had a disastrous first experience with the new FastPass Plus system during its beta test when you literally had to walk over to a guy with an iPad and plug in what rides you wanted at what time. All by hand, the app did not exist, and it was an absolute pain. With the infrastructure and the app now in place, I gotta say, it is a more convenient way to book things around the park, and probably worth the trade-off in lack of spontaneity. This pre-planning and pre-booking months ahead of time can actually save you a good chunk of money too, and we'll get into that. You can go back in time and see our first impressions of FastPass Plus by seeing one of our earliest WDW planned tunes, the FastPass Minus episode, which also kicked off the start of our recurring theme of making fun of Peter Pan. So head over to YouTube or iTunes and check that out. Anyway, back to a rundown of our first mega planned vacation. This is a family of five heading down. We drove down. We arrived in the afternoon. Since we were arriving late, it was a hobo day. We started in downtown Disney back when it was downtown Disney. And we tried the downtown Disney food trucks. Not great. We ended up bypassing them altogether, hitting the monorail loop and going to the Contemporary Resort. We had a great dinner at the Contempo Cafe and watched the electric water pageant. This is where my wife had to battle the wild pack of Disney cougars that were trying to hit on the young cast member. And it's also where we got big time that Peter Pan on his way to a private party, all of which you can also see on Plantoons. Go check those cartoons out as well. We were staying off property where breakfast was included. We did head to the Magic Kingdom the next day. Ride Riverboat was penciled in because it was going under refurbishment for the rest of our stay there. So something we wanted to do day one. This is also a trip where we were almost exclusively trying counter service dining with very few exceptions. We did have reservations at Be Our Guest, which kind of counts. We did leave the park to go to Captain Cook's at the Polynesian Resort for dinner. There was a pineapple dessert my wife was looking forward to eating. That's right, folks. Individual menu items were even making the spreadsheet. That is some next-level anal retentive. The fast pass for the day was a late 8 to 9 for the Seven Dwarfs Mine train. The Main Street Electrical Parade was also on the list, as was a fast pass to meet Anna and Elsa at Fairytale Hall, because I'm not waiting five hours to do that. Penciled in to celebrate the Magic Castle and wishes, rest in peace to all of those things. And our final extremely late 10.50 to 11.50 Space Mountain Fast Pass. We usually do the Magic Kingdom Day 1 anyway, because no one wants to drive down to Florida to go see a tree. But there was another reason, at this day and age, 
The Magic Kingdom was open until 12 a.m., while Animal Kingdom was closing at 6 p.m. That's a six-hour difference in park value. Something that's kind of evens itself out nowadays. But at the time, it was a very good reason to have a park hopper if a park was closing that early. Day 2 is Epcot with a fast pass for Mission Space and Test Track. They were from 11 o'clock to about 1 o'clock. Launch was going to be at the Joy of Tea. After that was a fast pass that was probably unnecessary for the seas with Nemo and friends. We followed that up with dinner at the Tangerine Cafe, Illuminations being at 9, which got us out of there by around 10, 10.30. I don't know if we decided to go back to the Magic Kingdom that was open until 12 a.m. I don't remember. Our third ticket today found us at Hollywood Studios with fast passes for the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, Star Tours, and Toy Story Midway Mania, all of them ending by 1.40. Lunch was at my wife's favorite Hollywood Brown Derby Lounge, and one of our few dining reservations was for the 50s Primetime Cafe. My wife loves it, I hate it. You can check out a cartoon about that as well, folks. That reservation was for 5 o'clock, and we did Fantasmic at 9. Probably calling it a day, but again, the Magic Kingdom was open until 12 a.m. Ticket at day number four had us back at the Magic Kingdom by Rope Drop. We had fast passes for Big Thunder Mountain and Splash Mountain from around 11 o'clock to 1. Ate at Tartuga Tavern, because we never had. And probably never will. Ever again. Had a fast pass for the Jungle Cruise. And a penciled-in dinner at Sleepy Hollow, which I don't believe happened. Instead, I think it was a Casey's Hot Dog, and we watched the fireworks from one of their tables. Ticket of day number five was at Animal Kingdom, and we got there super early so we can see their morning parade, which we were informed they hadn't run in years. We had booked three morning fast passes for the Rapids, Expedition Everest, and Dinosaur. All were finished by 1.35 p.m. When our fast passes were over that early, we booked more. I don't remember where, because it didn't make the spreadsheet. We met some friends for the Flame Tree Barbecue. Not great. The barbecue. The friends are fine. We were supposed to go to Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge to the Mara. I do not believe that happened. Instead, I think we had Yak and Yeti Express. Ticketed day number six saw us again at Hollywood Studios. We had fast passes for the Tower of Terror, the Rock and Roller Coaster, and Voyage of the Little Mermaid for no particular reason. Stay long enough and you'll just be hunting for things to fast pass at a certain point. Victory was apparently mine because we had lunch reservations at the Sci-Fi Dine-In. Go me. Suck at primetime with your annoying fake relatives telling me to eat my vegetables. Penciled in the Beauty and the Beast show to remind us why we never go to the Beauty and the Beast show. It's terrible. We hit up Starring Rolls for dinner back when they had sushi. Last time I went, they didn't. Now there's no reason to ever go to Starring Rolls. Don't even know if Starring Rolls is still open. I don't care because they stopped serving sushi. Hollywood Studio closed at 10 that night. I know we didn't stay that late because we had already seen Fantasmic, so we headed back to the Magic Kingdom for the rest of the evening. Get a day number seven was at Epcot, where I finally put my wife on her beloved Behind the Seeds tour. Yes, I paid to have her watch plants grow. We traded our original Fast Pass to meet the Disney Pals at the Epcot character spot in order to get a Fast Pass for Mission Space. We probably did not have to do that at all because Mission Space was a walk-on and the characters had a longer line. That was probably a mistake. It was, however, funny to watch my wife go from the Behind the Seeds tour to try to run all the way to Mission Space to make the Fast Pass we didn't actually need. Fast Pass Soren after that, so we're zigzagging all over the park. We ate at Sunshine Seasons, which is one of our favorite counter-service restaurants in the entire Walt Disney World Resort. Another unnecessary Fast Pass was our one for Spaceship Earth, which was for around 1 p.m. We had an Illuminations dessert party penciled in, but judging by the cost and the fact that we had already seen Illuminations, I'm sure we went to the Magic Kingdom to finish out the night. Our eighth ticket today was completely blank. We used it as a cleanup day, just in case there was something we hadn't seen in any of the places we've been. At this time, we're just burning time, so we did that stupid go to four parks in one day thing, which basically puts you on the bus for three of those hours. 
I don't recommend it. Our final day was a mistake. It was only supposed to be an eight-day vacation, but with the My Disney Experience app, I decided to try to make reservations, and I ended up being able to get Cinderella's Royal Table. Never having eaten at the castle and having a daughter that was going to love it probably dress up like a princess. She did in fact lose her shoe on the steps. How do you beat that? I wanted to make it the finale of the entire vacation, so I booked it on the last day. Not paying attention to the fact that the last day was the day I was driving home, not a day I had a ticket in the park. So we extended the vacation an extra day. Since we were supposed to be out of our off-property hotel, I booked one night on property, which worked out great, gave us magic bands and the ability to make some of these reservations ahead of time. In fact, it ended up extending our vacation two days with the one extra day in the park and one day just hanging around the resort. Kind of like a tail-end Hobo Day Plus. One of the big takeaways was that the reservations for dining and fast passes were keeping us in one park. We used to hop maybe two or three places a day. Now we were pretty much stationary until the very end of the night. And honestly, how many times could you deal with wishes? So glad that's gone. Knowing that when we took our short leash trip, we learned from this and saved over $300 by not getting a park hopper option for our next trip. We just noticed that our fast passes and our reservations were just locking us down to one park anyway. Checking out the spreadsheet for our last trip, which was over Christmas. You see that we did Epcot and then two days at the Magic Kingdom. All of our fast passes were morning, allowing us the possibility to get more. Epcot made the cut because of their candlelight processional and their plethora of Christmas-themed events. We also thought we'd need two days of the Magic Kingdom being is a mega-crowded season. As it turns out, we didn't. We were able to hit everything with very little weight. This was accomplished by smart fast passing and knowing when the rides get crowded and when they don't. We were on gift cards, so it was just counter service all the way. No dining reservations, with the exception of Tony's Town Square because we had talked about it for years and never will again. I can't imagine that this was their intention, but being that we have to pre-book everything so much and plan so far ahead, the park hopper just doesn't seem like it's a good advantage anymore. We're so structured and scheduled, we're simply not going to use it. If we were barely park hopping on a long trip where we had plenty of time to go anywhere, we're definitely not going to be doing it on a short leash trip when your time is really at a premium, so instead of getting a taste of everything, you can just dive deep and stay in one spot. If you're planning fast passes and you're really hunting for one, or you're just getting one and you know it's a walk-on ride anyway, let me suggest this. Use fast passes whenever possible for characters. If you have kids that like to collect autographs, there's no better use of your fast pass. Don't use it on Mission Space that you're going to be able to walk on. Don't use it for Spaceship Earth that you're going to be able to walk on. Use it for characters so you know you're going to get their autograph, you know your kids are going to meet them, and you also know you're not going to have to wait. Because scheduling wisely, and not being upcharged for features you can't use. Well, that's your leash people, I hope you enjoyed the tip. I do have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi, some questions, suggestions, or even your own short leash tips at dominic at disradio.com. That's D-O-M-E-N-I-C at disradio.com. I also can be found on the interweb on Twitter at WDW Plantoons or on YouTube or your favorite podcast apps by searching WDW Plantoons or by visiting plantoons.com. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Jason, Nina, JC, Alana, Kevin, 
Rona. Josh. Mylene. Blaine. The party. Terry. Fred. You. Hello, my name is Nikki Deloach from the new Mickey Mouse Club, MTV's Awkward, and the Hallmark Channel, and you are listening to Disney On Demand. Hi, gang. We're rehearsing Prescott Press, but I wanted to take a minute and answer this letter from Leah Zare Strickland of St. Helena Island, South Carolina. Leah writes, What was it like when you first got accepted into the club? How did your family feel about it? What was it like when you first walked on the set? Well, Leah, when I first got chosen, I was really, really excited. See, I auditioned when I was 11, and I was in my room playing with my friend when my mom got the call that I got the job. And she told me, and I was so happy. I got up, and I hugged her, and we were all screaming, and I called the rest of my family. They were all really excited for me. And when I first walked on the set, I felt like it was home. Oh, I gotta go. But thank you so much, Leah, for writing your letter, and I'll send you a Mickey Mouse Club t-shirt. Bye. <laughs> Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment here at Disney Blues, Diz Radio, and the Diz Radio Show. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many times those are ones with artists and people that you grew up with. You've seen them on the small screen. You've listened to their voices. You've listened to their music, and they've played such a part in your life that they continue to make music even now. And with us here this week is somebody that is no stranger to any of that. You know her from the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. She was on every single season. She has an upcoming new debut solo album and so much more. We have the talented Jennifer McGill here. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Thank you. Very excited to be here. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, somebody of your stature, we have had so many Mouseketeers on here over the years. And of course, you have been part of every single season. And myself, being comparable in age of you, I remember watching that very first season all the way through. So I guess to start it off, before we jump into the latest things you have on the horizon, what got you started into acting and so much more, and of course, getting involved with the all-new Mickey Mouse Club? Well, my first love was singing, and I did that from an itty, 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 bitty girl. Uh, Probably about about two years old was when my mother uh, recorded me singing on pitch. I think I sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and we didn't know that that was a big deal. Um, but I certainly picked up the habit of uh, singing, and I was in love with it. And so um, I happened to be at the right place at the right time at a talent competition when I was 10 years old, and I hooked up with an amazing agent who the biggest, uh, one of the first auditions she got me, the biggest one was for the uh, movie called Why Because We Like You, which was about the original Mouseketeers. And I did actually book that movie. I was going to play Darlene or Doreen, but the writer strike of 1988 happened in L.A., and that movie could not continue production. And so I was just sort of floated over to the final auditions for the all-new Mickey Mouse Club in Orlando, Florida. And Matt Casella, who cast every uh, season of that show, including the movie uh, that that didn't come come to pass, um, he cast every single one of us Mouseketeers from the pilot all the way through season seven, and he saw something in me, and I am forever grateful for that because I was just this little goofy spitfire of a, a big singer girl, and I just wanted to be on stage, and so I got my wish, and I love. Every minute of performing on that show, it, it, it still is my favorite job. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, and like you said, it's one of those things where you loved performing too. And of course, what better way than to land, you know, a variety show pretty much for children. I mean, it's one of those where it was the third incarnation of the Mickey Mouse Club. So everybody was waiting for something new, something fresh. And you got to perform every single day and, you know, made lasting friends and so much more, I guess. What was the hardest part of, I guess, performing then? Because now you're not doing a movie. You had to come up with scripts and practice and everything every single day for a five-day-a-week show. Well, I do think that, that it it takes a special focus to switch gears so much. Um, I thrived off of the variety. Um, yes, sometimes the script changes were a lot. I remember we would start out with a white script, and by the time we were shooting, there were all sorts of different colors of replacement pages, blues and pinks and yellows and greens. You know, we had just this rainbow of a script. Um, and even on set, our director and acting coach would feed us changes as we went. And so you did have to be on top of your game. And, you know, back in the day, it wasn't like we had a good cup of coffee, you know, before we went into the, <laughs> into our, into the set. You know, we were just these kids and we were handling, I would say, a tough thing is that we were handling growing up. We were handling, you know, hormones and distractions and just being kids and trying to balance being the kids that the that the production wanted us to be, but also having the maturity to do the job behind the scenes as well. So it, it was a lot to organize, but I I personally loved the detail work. I loved it. Now, with the popularity of the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, of course, and it just, you know, it kicked off right away at the same time as uh, Hollywood Studios, well, back in the day, MGM Studios debuted and so much more. Did you expect it to be as popular as it was and everybody to recognize your face? I was absolutely in a bubble. I came from a very small town, and I did not have any strategy or um, stage mom uh, um, perspective. <laughs> like my parents and I, we were not ambitious. We did not expect anything, and I think that's why I was just so happy and content in the job for so long uh, because the purpose of me going to that show, it was my first professional job. So I knew nothing about what to expect. I was not primed to become some big star and to be recognized. I was just going in to do something that I loved and it kept going and going and going. So I was a little um, just not even protected. It was, I just, I just didn't realize. Um, so when it did start to happen that we started meeting celebrities and had press conferences, you know, I, I, I think that I was most excited about meeting celebrities, like meeting some of my favorite singers and actors, um, and that they would come visit us. You know, they would take the time out to say, you're doing a great job. I mean, that, that was amazing. Um, but I think what's really fun is that even to this day, you know, I, I was actually at at um, a, a salon the other day um, in, a, in a completely different town than where I live, and someone said, you know, you look really familiar. And, you know, back in the day, I would try to say, well, like, do we go to the same high school or something? But I just kind of cut to the chase now. I <laughs> just say, well, you know, <laughs> did you watch the Disney Channel? And it, it, it makes their day. You know, I wish everybody happy birthday on Facebook that comes up in my feed, you know, I, I just, I enjoy making someone's day just with having the face I have or taking a second to wish someone happy birthday. You know, it, it just, it changes their day and I can't understand it. You know, I'm just like, it's just me. But um, I think that's what makes it the most rewarding is that it 
I make people happy. And um, that was really cool even back in the day. Well, I mean, definitely. And like you said, it's one of those where you are making people's day by giving them that personal touch all these years later. Like I said, you know, I'm one of those where, you know, back in 89, you know, I was watching the all new Mickey Mouse Club. I was probably about a year or two older than you at that time. And now I have my own kids and I YouTube all these old videos and skits and show it to them. And they're like, when are they going to make one for us? So, you know, it's one of those where you have this lasting impression. Now, with these kind of impressions, have you ever had one over the top fan come to you and you're just like taken back by how big of a role you played in their life? I have had many experiences with um, impacted fans uh, to that level. The the most recent, actually, um, I was dating my now husband, and we went to a, like, group Bible study. <laughs> and um, it was just a few people, and it was in someone's home. It was very chill, and I was noticing that there was this one girl who was super quiet but really smiley, like, in, in the corner uh, opposite from from us. And, you know, my my boyfriend at the time, um, we had gone to high school together, so he knew about the whole Mickey Mouse Club thing, but he had, he's never watched an episode, even now. Like, I'm kind of, you know, priming. I'm, I'm waiting for the day, you know, like, when we, we have to watch them. Like, we just do a marathon, you know. <laughs> but he, he just – he knows just the bare minimum. He just knows me as Jennifer from high school. But this was a friend from our, our Bible study or whatever, and um, I went to the kitchen when we took a break, and I started talking about just answering questions with other women about what am I doing now, what's going on, and every time I would say something like, yes, I did a blog, or, well, you know, I'm working on production for such and such, this girl started chiming in, like, I read that, and, but you're so much more than that, oh, but you're so good, and I kind of look at her, and I'm like, you know all that? And she said, I've watched you since I was a little girl. I'm so, like, she exploded. She, and all these other women, and my, my boyfriend, like, leaned over across the living room and was like, what is going on? And that was his first taste of, oh, wow, like, she, she causes a reaction. And it's not because I'm super cool. It's because these kids, you know, like you, and honestly, like myself, who would go home and watch, watch it at 5.30 and tape it, you know, for myself as well. Um, you know, there was something about that show and about what we did that, that we didn't just leave it within the TV screen. You know, we connected on the other side and, and we did stuff and were real as well as talented enough that other kids wanted to join in. They just wanted to be with us and come along with us. And, and that's what I loved about it was that it wasn't an isolated show. We had live audiences and we brought in a lot of, um, participants and, and just let everybody be a part of it, you know, and I think that's what it's all about. So I had no idea that, um, it would be such a big reaction and I am 100% surprised and pleased that there is such an amazing following still because now Facebook and other social media outlets have allowed us to continue to love and connect with these fans. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the most recent, um, huge fan i mean she she were she knew about like my mother she knew about just what i've been doing and um i, I mean it surprises me every time i can't believe that anyone would would take that much time to care you know but 
it, it's all from a super heartwarming place. Well, definitely, you know, and it's one of those things too, where, you know, you, you are basically the modern day Annette from the Mickey Mouse Club, where, you know, she was having an impact on our parents' lives and, now you're having that impact on other people's lives. Now, I guess, moving aside from the Mickey Mouse Club, you've done so many different things. You've continued on. You went to college. So much stuff. And, of course, something new and upcoming. Finally, after all these years, you're doing your own debut solo album, um, Unbreakable. I guess, what made you finally say, this is the time, this is the moment, I'm going to do this now? Well, it was a happy accident, in all truth. I am... Uh, the creative director for a company who had originally hired me to work on a script, uh, which we finished. It's called Freedom Fighters Living Fearless. And it was created for tweens and teens and their families. It's a Christ-centered show. And the show revolves around empowering uh, any, any person of any age on really taking control of their thoughts and conquering fear, you know, really um, not letting you know, a poisonous mind take over your perspective. And it's because, I mean, they hired me to write that script because that was something that I had dealt with in my 20s. You know, I had suffered from a very secret low self-esteem stemming all the way back from the new Mickey Mouse Club. And so, you know, this was something that was very important to me to create material, to empower people, to inspire them, to strengthen their heart, to know that they're not alone, right, to really point in all of the positive directions. And this show needed a few original songs. Well, over a year later, the team decided that we had enough material to create a full-length cohesive artist album, and I was completely surprised that it has taken on the life that it has, and, and I'm so proud of this album. I mean, what I love is that a long time ago, even though it was my first childhood dream to become a recording artist, I had let that go because I first negative side thought that it was too late for me i thought that i'm just i'm just never going to be what the industry is looking for but now on the b side on the positive side i just don't try to control my life in that way i don't try to force things i really let um god's will be done and so that's where we are um i really feel like this was not my choice to make this album it was uh my destiny if you will it was it was not my timing you know um uh, and i I think that's why it's going so well. I think that's why, um, you know, I think I am finally ready as a seasoned, wiser person, you know, who's been through a lot of life but come out on the other side healthier, happier, and full of faith. You know, I think that this is the time that I can bless people the most with the strongest and healthiest, positive, most hard-hitting album I could ever make. And that's what this is. It is exquisitely vulnerable yet so powerful. And, I, I you know, I... I can't believe that sometimes it is my voice that I'm hearing on this album because it's just so good and the production is so amazing. Like, I have nothing but amazing things to say about it. And it, and it was all an accident. And that's just so great that I had kind of nothing to do with it. <laughs> but that it's my artist album. I mean, it's awesome. Like, I, I can't I can't emphasize enough how amazing this album is. And it just tickles me that after all these years, I have one of the deepest desires of my heart realized. So I'm super grateful my executive producer and my team for making this possible. I, I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Well, definitely. And like you said, it's one of those where it was God's will, something that happened now as opposed to earlier. And that leads into, you know, something that I believe is really empowering. Like you said, it, it's hoping to inspire people. And that debut video that you've already had out is just, it is so powerful and so much more, I guess. How does it feel knowing that you're going to have something that you're proud of out there. Your voice is sounds fantastic on the debut cut that we had caught in the music video, but also 
knowing that it's something that's inspirational, something that is missing from a lot of music today? It it moves me so much. Um, when I think of what I would want in an artist today, um, someone who is sincerely um, powerful in their vocals and that can, you know, do it live, <laughs> um, someone who knows who they are as a person and someone who doesn't rely on aesthetic um, as much as um, the lyrics and the message and, and, like, what they want to impart to people, not on a surface level, but within, you know, to make the world a better place, really. And and also that it's, like, a cool pop thing because I grew up with pop, right? Like, that's the package that you could deliver for anything to me. If I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat it up if it's pop, right? Um, that's what I'm going to pay attention to the most because that's just how I was wired. This album and, and who I am as a recording artist today, I think, checks all those boxes. So it's just surreal to understand that I'm that person that I would want out there, you know. And, you know, it's, I'm almost, like, cheering up about it. It's crazy. Why are you doing this to me? Um, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> it's what I want. It's what I want for fans. It's what I want for um you know, the younger generations who don't know anything about me to open up and listen to because on the surface, you know, they're going to dig the track. They're going to appreciate the video. You know, they're going to feel something cool and positive. But then when you dig deeper, not just into the first single, Unbreakable, but into the single to come and the whole album, they're going to get so much more out of the lyrics. And, yeah, I mean, it's great to be a part of maybe a, a fresh a fresh breath of air movement. Wouldn't that be great? You know, if I can make enough of an impact that other artists are going to find it cool to bring more positive, empowering, um, you know, cleaner stuff into pop music, you know, to really show this, uh, you know, this, this kind of God's love idea um, and not just save it for people who've already made their decision about space, but, but can't we bring more love into pop music, um, you know, without, without all the extra fanfare, all the distractions that confuse people. Um, if they're looking for something clean and powerful, you know. So I'm, I would be happy to be a part of that movement. You know, I don't think that I would have been as well used um, in my in my faith purpose if if uh, if this weren't the project. So, you know, I would rather um, make a huge impact and um, not be you know world renowned versus uh, have a great voice and be famous, but just not create the sound and the message that that now I believe in wholeheartedly. So I, it just couldn't have happened any other way, really. I, I couldn't be more excited to to speak my messages, you know, through music and through, um, you know, interviews like this, just to tell people about my heart and, and my journey and, and let it empower them to know that they're not alone and that nobody's perfect. Don't beat yourself up. Keep moving forward and, and move forward for the right reasons. Do things for the right reasons, you know, for love. Definitely. You know, and like you said, it's one of those where it is about having that positive message, something that you're enjoying it. You're putting your heart into it and everybody else can enjoy it as well. And, you know, I've mentioned before uh, my children, my daughter, I played that debut video for her and, you know, she had a little bit of knowledge of you from showing the previous Mickey Mouse Club episodes, but she loved that debut track. So if if anything, you are definitely on the right track. Woohoo! I love it. I want it to be for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, I guess with that, speaking of that debut track, now, of course, filming that, it looked hot. It looked very hot. And I can only imagine, what did it take to film something with so many quick cuts and quick takes? I mean, it was, you know, a great, well-polished music video. How long did it take to just stand out there, and how, how grueling was it? 
we were shooting for 14 hours. And so that was kind of crazy. Um, and side note, I am voted, like, least likely to hang out in the sun. Like, that's just who I am. I am not a person who soaks up the rays. <laughs> so I did have to go to my happy place a lot. Um, and it was, you know, all my pleasure because I knew how amazing this video was going to be. Uh, Marco Villalobos, who is the director, um, you know, we had chosen him um, because we loved his previous work, because he's actually a friend. He's a great guy. He is actually one of the co-writers um, of Firestarter, which is another track on the album. And so it all the signs pointed to, yes, he believes in this project. He knows what to do. And um, my executive producer, and he came up with a great idea of the desert. And, of course, you know, the joke is, yeah, that's my first choice, too. Not but I got it. Like, I understood. This is a survivor song, you know, and it's appropriate that I was in a place of discomfort, but still heralding the message that that song is putting out into the world. And so I was going through, you know, my own um, survivor mode to get to that project. But what I love, you know, A, what was funny was I had so much makeup on and so many clothes that I didn't get sunburned. And I was out there for a long time. You know, I'd, I'd get in the car every now and again or there'd be an umbrella. But I did not get sunburned because there was so much makeup to keep me from, you know, sweating and all that. And I had so much sand cake on my face by the time it was done. I mean, it's really funny. Like, God's protection showed up in the fact that I didn't get a sunburn, that all the wind you saw was natural and all of the sandstorm behind me and that ran through our shoot was all not planned. It was all natural. It just came through like the breath of God. It was so awesome. Like none of us had ever experienced anything like that. And I love it that it's in the video. I love it because like I couldn't even move. That one moment I, I describe it kind of as the elf of the moment. Like I was just frozen. I was still singing. If I had turned anywhere, that sand would have pelted my mouth and my eyes. Like, I had to stay for it. But I kept singing, even through a crazy, painful sandstorm. And they kept shooting. I mean, everybody kept on. And that is exactly what Unbreakable describes. You keep on, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what challenges, no, no matter how hard the battle is, you're unbreakable. You know, your will is going to be stronger than the challenge in front of you, you know. So it was just perfect. Like, I couldn't have asked for a better shoot. And then, of course, Marco put it all together and made an amazing video. So, I mean, it's epic. It's epic. Like, yeah, again, I'm tickled. Like, everything is turning out way better than you can, like, plan on, you know. And, and, and I'm really happy to say that I mostly had nothing to do with it. I showed up. I did my job. But these things are coming together for a higher purpose than just for me to be cool or, you know, have a video. I mean, it's... It's it's really an amazing project. Well, you know, and with that, too, because it is coming around full circle here, I guess, uh, can you let us in as to when the official album is going to officially drop? I just found out that the album is going to drop August 11th. So you'll be able to get it everywhere, and there's also going to be a store on my website, jennifermcgill.com, so that you can purchase it. Very cool. Well, you know, and with that, too, I'm sure everybody is going to be purchasing this album, getting it. I know that I definitely am going to get a copy, especially my daughter has already loved it. I guess with that, too, in closing up here, because you do have a lot of different things going on and so many different things in your busy schedule here, I guess in closing, if for all of your fans listening in, whether that's people who you've touched their lives early on with the all-new Mickey Mouse Club or the new generation of fans you're going to be having with Unbreakable, is there any final words you'd like to leave out there from Jennifer to everybody. I think that I have 
a special message of the hope in restoration that wherever you are in your life, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, life happens. But that is absolutely not the end of the line. That is not any reason to not have hope in the next day or the next breath or the next thought. I think that so many people feel that their challenges are overwhelming, whether it's bullying, whether it's self-esteem issues, whether it's just the labels that the world want to slap you with, <laughs> or feeling like, like me, like you're past your prime of purpose. You know, that was a season for me to feel that way. And I just think my biggest message is, you know, this music is awesome. It's going to move you. It's going to groove you. And, and that is a great thing. But I encourage people to look into the lyrics, to look into the emotion behind everything that has been poured into this album and let it speak to your life. Let it speak to your heart and know that you're not alone and that this album is a huge hug to all of my my fans from my childhood. Um, I thought of you every song and I even have a uh, a special track, a, a rearrangement um, that I co-produced of Hanging On For Dear Life because my mother always wanted that song to have a new life um, on, on, a, on an album of mine. And um, it has now been reimagined for um, this season of my life and the life of the fans um, that I've had since my childhood. And so that just like you, you can share it uh, with the younger generation, with our with the kids that are coming up um, because they need to hear the same things that we needed to hear. Definitely. Well, great words of wisdom. And Jennifer, I want to thank you once again for taking that time, stopping in with us, taking this trip down memory lane. Of course, all the memories from the all-new Mickey Mouse Club and so much more. And everybody can check out the all-new Unbreakable album. You can also check that out at jennifermcgill.com. And thank you once again for stopping in, chatting with all of us here, taking this trip down memory lane into the future and so much more. And I can only see all kinds of great success coming from Unbreakable. So thanks once again for stopping in. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Nothing can separate us. Nothing can come between us now. Nothing can take away, break away the power of love.
for <laughs> and their dealings with pressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. Coming up next, that devious duck is your host for a half hour of cartoon craziness on Donald Duck Presents. We interrupt this promo for a special report on what people are saying about the new season of the Mickey Mouse Club. Excellent. I liked it. I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun. Dancing is the best. Comedy is the best part. I liked all of it. I really did. It's really cool. They were just awesome. I thought it was excellent. 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 It's a hot show. Fantastic. It's killer. The Mickey Mouse Club. People are still talking. The Mickey Mouse Club is great. Hi again, D-Heads. Welcome to another installment of This Week in Disney History. I am Nathan, and ready to take you through another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. So with that said, let's begin. Kicking off this week, let's begin with this week's quote coming from our Uncle Walt himself again. I don't believe there's a challenge anywhere in the world that's more important to people everywhere than finding solutions to the problems of our cities. But where do we begin? How do we start answering this great challenge? Well, we're convinced we must start with the public need. Now moving on to Diz Radio throwback time for this week in Diz Radio history with show number 41 from July of 2013 featuring MC Ganey of Lost Fame as Others member Tom Friendly, Rhodey in the Country Bears, Lewis on the Mighty Ducks, and the captain of the Royal Guard in Disney's Tangled. Jump back with us today and check it out. Now starting out this week in Disney history, we're going to go to 1925, when Walt Disney married Lillian Marie Bounds, who was one of his first employees at the home of Lillian's brother and the fire chief of his town in Lewiston, Idaho. In 1953, legendary animator Chuck Jones began working at the Disney Studios and will stay for four months before returning to Warner. In 1955, Walt and Lillian Disney celebrate their 30th wedding anniversary at the not-yet-open Disneyland, Lillian invited guests to the future theme park, and as the guests arrived, they were transported down Main Street and into Frontierland, and everyone takes a ride around the rivers of America aboard the Mark Twain Riverboat. Afterwards, guests head to the Golden Horseshoe Saloon for dinner, and the very first, although unofficial, performance of a show called The Golden Horseshoe Review, created by Wally Bogue. In 1975, construction begins on Disneyland's Space Mountain. Twelve years in the planning, the idea for Anaheim's ride originated in the mid-60s during Walt Disney's lifetime as a way to re-energize the aging Tomorrowland. In 1987, Disney's The Brave Little Toaster is released in theaters, which is a heartwarming story about five appliances, a toaster, a desk lamp, an electric blanket, a vacuum tube radio, and a vacuum cleaner, who go on a quest to search for their original owner, when he moves and they are left behind. In 1989, Star Tours, sponsored by Panasonic, opens at Tokyo Disneyland. It is the second Star Tours attraction in existence, with the first having been opened at Disneyland in 1987, two years earlier. In 1998, Jody Benson, the voice of Disney's Little Mermaid, appeared at Walt Disney World for the first of a two-day visit. In 1999, the Backstreet Boys performed an hour-long Disney Channel special, Backstreet Boys in Concert. In 2000, the Kansas City Star reported that the Walt Disney heirs have pledged funds to refurbish the original animation studio of Walt Disney, located in Kansas City. For nearly a decade, Thank You Walt Disney Incorporated has been fighting to set up a Disney museum in Kansas City, the birthplace of Mickey Mouse and other early Disney characters. In 2002, 
Cadet Kelly, starring Hilary Duff and Christy Carlson Romano, aired on the wonderful world of Disney. And in 2005, Disney's California Adventure opens its newest attraction, Turtle Talk with Crush, in the Hollywood Pictures backlot. And we're going to end this week in Disney history D-heads with a few birthdays around the Disney company. We're starting them out this week with Sadness Herself from Pixar's Inside Out, Phyllis Smith being born in St. Louis, Missouri. Moving on to an actor who needs few credentials listed, Captain Jean-Luc Picard and Mr. Woolensworth of Chicken Little fame, is born under the name you know as Sir Patrick Stewart. Cheech Marin is born of Cars fame as Ramon, Tito, and Oliver and Company, and Cheech and Chong fame. And we end birthdays this week with the original Musketeer and the youngest male to audition to be a Musketeer, Carl Cubby O'Brien being born. Well, D-Heads, it's all again for this week in Disney history. Hope you enjoyed and learned something new maybe you didn't know. Feel free to email me at Nathan at DizRadio.com. I'd love to hear from you guys and get some feedback. And as always, guys, have a great week and see you real soon. Once a lonely caterpillar sat and cried To a sympathetic beetle by his side I got nobody to hug I'm such an ugly bug Then the spider and the dragonfly replied If you're serious and want to win a bride Come along with us to the glorious annual ugly bug ball Come on, let's crawl to the ugly bug ball Crickets clicked the tricky melodies All the ants were fancy dancing with the fleas Then up from under the ground The worms came squirming around Oh, they danced until the legs were nearly lame Every little crawling creature you could name Everyone was glad, oh, what a time they had they were so happy they came Come on, let's crawl Up to the ugly bug ball Oh, what a happy time we'll have there One and all at the ugly bug ball And then our caterpillar saw a pretty queen she was beautiful in yellow, black, and green. He said, would you get a dance? They're dancing led to romance. Then she sat upon his caterpillar knees. And he gave his caterpillar queen a squeeze. Soon they'll honeymoon, they'll build a big cocoon. Thanks to the ugly bug ball. Come on, let's crawl.
Now available to own on video cassette. Then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Walt Disney created some of the most fun and exciting family movies of all time. Now, three great movies full of classic Disney fun are on sale for your whole family to enjoy. In the all-new Walt Disney Film Classics, The Haley Mills Collection. The original pet detective goes undercover in the hilarious crime-busting adventure, That Darn Cat. Who can forget the girl who teaches a whole town to smile in Pollyanna? And your favorite team of Double Trouble is back to back when long-lost sisters meet for the first time. The Parent Trap, all starring the Hollywood sweetheart we grew up with, Haley Mills. Then I saw her face. Now I'm Three of your favorite movies ever can be yours to own. The all-new Walt Disney Film Classics, The Haley Mills Collection. Whether you're seeing them for the first time or the hundredth time, you'll be a believer too. On sale everywhere. Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC82. Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome back down here to the vault, where summer is always magical down here. Or anywhere for that matter. I'm glad you're back and joining us in this summer season. Now, as you may have guessed, there are some times I'm not able to give a good movie. Well, because I'm out enjoying the fine things this earth gives us. Sunshine, a tree to climb, a lake to swim in. Oh heck, who am I kidding? I'm an indoor kid. Of course I'm inside watching movies. And that's why I'm giving them all to you. The best of Disney Blu-ray, or DVD in this instance. This week I'm going deep in the archive, only because it just seems fitting. That's why I feel it's no better time to bring out this fine Haley Mills classic. I bring to you the 1963 period comedy, Summer Magic. The early 20th century can be such a drag. Ask the Carey family. Early on, Margaret, head of household, played by Dorothy McGuire, everyone's favorite Disney mother, from Old Yeller to Swiss Family Robinson. Well, it seems she and her three children must leave their stakes in what we think is Boston at the time to a small country town in Beulah, Maine. At least the name sounds beautiful to be in a fine relocation. Now, what you may think this is a fish out of water, a country mouse, city mouse kind of movie, it's not. It seems the eldest Carrie child, Nancy, played by our friend Haley Mills, is ready to make that change. The eldest son, Gilly, is reluctant to abandon their home and move to the country. And then there's Peter, played by Jerry Mathers, not Jerry Mathers, Jimmy Mathers, who really doesn't have a care in the world. Just the fact that they're all together. And quite frankly, in this movie, is comic relief. Now, with their relocation, the Carries move to a wonderful little yellow house at no cost to them. Now, who wouldn't want that kind of relocation? Seems that this house has been abandoned by its landlord. Or at least he's out of town, so says Osh Poppin, played by the beloved Burl Ives. It seems that the house owner, Mr. Hamilton, isn't returning home anytime soon. While the Carries take on the chance to renovate this home, 
it's time to get the kids to reconnect with their country folk friends. Peter seems to have a bit of the hardest time on it, being teased mostly by the local boys. Gilly actually gets a job as the chauffeur from Asha's son Digby, which leaves Nancy to enjoy the life that this summer magic musical can do. Yes, it is a Disney musical of the 60s, so therefore you are going to get wonderful songs, and of course you're going to get them sung mostly by Burl Ives himself. So not only do the Carries have to deal with renovating a new home, moving to a new area, and adjusting to country life, their cousin Julia, played by Deborah Wally, better known as Benji's best friend, or Buffy from Chippendale Rescue Rangers, comes into town, and she's not very liked. Even Nancy doesn't seem to hold a good place for her in her heart. And rightfully so. It seems that Julia poses a threat to a possible suitor for Nancy, the young schoolmaster, played by James Stacy. But it's that summer magic that makes everything perfect all over again. With a little bit of change, the town can become a little bit content with something new in its wake. Gilly gets to keep his job. Nancy and Julia work together to help Asha's daughter, especially for the Halloween homecoming dance. But all in all, life in Beulah can become blissful once again. Stated earlier, this film came out on July 7, 1963, to a pretty good acclaim. The movie is based off of a children's book from 1911 called Mother Carries Chickens. I don't think that's going to hold well as a title, considering I don't think any children wants to be considered a chicken. Once you put Haley Mills and Burl Ives into this, along with some memorable songs like Flirtin', The Ugly Bug Ball, and of course, On the Front Porch, truly makes this movie somewhat magical. Now let's get into this DVD. Yes, I said DVD because there is no Blu-ray as of yet out for this film. And that's a shame, too, because this would be one of those that I would love to see a great transfer of. Not to say that the DVD is currently a great transfer from film to digital. It is allowing for a great aspect ratio for all of us with our HDTVs for a 16x9. It's not the most perfect that I've seen for an older Disney film, but I will say I'm happy to see it here. Being a 65 film, of course you're not going to get much of an audio track. It, it will be in digital mono, and that's fine. But wouldn't you love to hear Burl Ives' beautiful voice on that front porch strumming along with you? I know I would. And those special features. Oh, wait, there aren't any. Well, unless, of course, you like the trailer, and that's fine. But considering things like Pollyanna and other Haley Mills masterpieces all have some sort of special feature, it's unfortunate to see nothing here. That being said, Summer Magic is one of those films that will make you wish for the days of summer festivals and good family fun. So I'm going to shelve this one under B for Beulah, and I will see you again next time with another blue for you to view down here in the vault. Remember, you can always contact me at any time, jason at disradio.com. Ask your questions. I will be glad to answer them. Let's talk movies. Let's talk DVDs. Let's talk some fun. Especially Epcot. Epcot is fun. It's educational, but it's fun. So until next time we meet, remember, the magic of Disney movies is always on the front porch and always deep inside of you.
Disney Blues. Disney on demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It was a fantastic romp, and I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the very talented Jennifer McGill for stopping in here this week, chatting about her days on the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, and remember, August 11th, her all-new debut solo CD, Unbreakable, is dropping, so definitely check it out as she goes into the future with great inspiration for an all-new generation. Thank you, Jennifer, once again for stopping in and chatting with all of us. I'd also like to extend a very special thank you to the D-team. Yes, without the D-team, there'd be nothing more, as I always say, than me rambling week in and week out. So I want to extend that thank you to Dominic, Aaron, Jason, and Nathan stopping in here this week with their signature segments. And remember, if you want to connect up with the D-team, it's super easy. Just go to the Diz Radio website, go to the D-team page, and email everybody on their respective email address found right there on our website. And most of all, thank you, the D-heads. Yes, without you, there would be no show. You are the reason we've been coming back at you to help you relive the magic and memories from your life time of Disney for the last seven and a half years. So thank you the D-Heads for making the magic happen, sticking with us, and of course going into the future with us as well. Now next week we are officially into August. We're getting towards that tail end of summer, but we have a lot of fun things on the horizon and a guest that I am very very excited to bring here on the show. But before I clue you in as to who's going to be stopping in, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website, our all-new redesigned website that is fully responsive for your device at dizradio.com, D-I-Z Radio. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash show. That's D-I-Z radio S-H-O-W. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, all of which are going to help you find our fun, magical, unique, different kind of Disney-themed celebrity guest show. And finally, if you want to get the shows instantly as soon as they're released, all you have to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio. It is that easy. Search Disney On Demand, Diz Radio, or Disney Blue, and it'll bring up our show. You can subscribe right there and get the latest shows on your mobile device, your Android, your iPhone, your tablet, you name it, so you can listen to it instantly every week as soon as it gets released. And if I am talking way too fast with too much energy... Just go to DIZRadio.com, yes, DizRadio.com, and you can find all these links there as well. Now, all of that is out of the way. Next week, we have a very special guest stopping in here, all of you D-heads, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a clue. One, think the Clone Wars. Think of a little alien. Think of somebody that is really influential in the Star Wars universe. Also think of somebody that tells you the Grand Floridian is your next stop, as well as the Contemporary Resort. I'm going to leave it at that. See if you can put all the pieces together. Until next week, all of you D-heads, as I always say, you got to take time, slow down, and never neglect family for business. you got to take that time, make the memories happen, because you can always make money. You can't always make memories. And that's exactly what I'm going to do here this weekend as I'm heading out 
to go camping once again. Yes, I know, but this time it's just with my family, not with a bunch of scouts. But I'm going to hit the road, go into the woods, and uh, just relax here this weekend. And I hope you make the memories as well. So until next week, all of you D-heads, sit back, have fun, enjoy the warm summer weather, and I'll catch you online and see you next week. Have a fantastic weekend. I call this one the Campfire Song Song. Let's gather around the campfire and sing our campfire song. Our C-A-M-P-F-I-R-E-S-O-N-G song. And if you don't think that we can sing it faster, then you're wrong. But it'll help if you just sing along. C-A-M-P-F-I-R-E-S-O-N-G song C-A-M-P-F-I-R-E-S-O-N-G song And if you don't think that we can sing it faster Then you're wrong But it'll help if you just sing along Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.